Welcome to Old Law, New Law, podcast by the Victorian Law Reform Commission. I'm Nick Gadd. And I'm Gemma Walsh. Today we have a special guest, Professor Ron McCallum AO, who is Special Advisor to the Commission on the Community Law Reform Project, Inclusive Juries, Access for People Who Are Deaf, Hard of Hearing, Blind or Have Low Vision. We are joined by the Honourable Tony North, Chair of the VLRC, and Emma Cashin, who is Team Leader of the Inclusive Juries Project. Professor Ron McCallum, AO, is a Professor of Law at Sydney University, former Dean of the Law School, and the first totally blind person to be appointed to a professorship to any university in Australia. He's the former chair of the United Nations Committee on the Rights of Persons with Disability, the 2011 Senior Australian of the Year, a member of the reference group at the New South Wales Law Reform Commission that considered the participation of people with disabilities on juries in 2006, and currently a special advisor on the Royal Commission into Violence, Abuse, Neglect and Exploitation of People with Disability. So Ron, you became blind soon after you were born, and you grew up in Melbourne in the post-war period when life was very different. What expectations did society have of blind people when you were a child? When I was born and a toddler, jobs for blind people were few and far between because the printed word we could not read. And very many blind people worked in sheltered workshops, what we now call Australian disability enterprises. There were some in the professions, but they tended to be persons who had been educated beforehand, but injured during the wars, particularly World War II. So in my early days, there weren't many careers for we blind people. By the time I was a teenager, things were changing in Victoria and indeed the rest of Australia. More and more people were going to universities and we persons with disabilities also found ourselves going to universities. There was a significant number of us and we created a wave. That's how I ended up going to Melbourne's Monash University in its fourth intake for the law school, a new university then, not now. And of course, now in Victoria, we have quite a number of law schools and time has moved on. But I was lucky to have been in that vanguard of children with disabilities who were at last given an opportunity of university and TAFE education in the 1960s. As a young person, you were a gifted student, but being blind, you did have to make use of different methods to sighted students. How did you go about studying? There were no computers in the 60s and early 70s. And so the only way I could go about studying was having people read to me legal decisions from the courts and statutes from the parliament. And they either read to me directly or read onto a tape recorder and I could play the tape back. When I became a teacher at Monash University, my students read to me. People like the Victorian ombudsman, Deborah Glass, when she was a student, she gave up time to read to me. So many of my students actually read to me because that was the only way I could get through the material. And you had to memorise it, I imagine. I had to do a lot of memory work because I couldn't look back at notes. Therefore, it didn't make any difference to me whether exams were open or closed book because I simply <laughs> had to rely upon my memory. In your memoir, uh, Born at the Right Time, 
You describe how advances in technology have helped you to achieve some amazing things in your life. Um, could you explain to us, please, Ron, some of the important ways that technology has helped you, especially in your professional life? Computers have affected all of our lives, but I think they have affected we blind and vision impaired persons more than the average person in the community. A computer puts up on its screen words and letters. And the big breakthrough came in the mid-1980s when programmers were able to develop a program which would read out in synthetic speech what appeared on the computer screen. That developed into a program called JAWS, Job Access with Speech, which allows a blind computer user like me to listen to what is on the computer screen. That also allows me to download from the internet. And by the mid-1990s, uh, high court decisions and statutes of the federal and Victorian parliaments were on the net. And so I could download them and listen to them using synthetic speech. Another development was done by um, the MIT professor Ray Kurzweil. He said, why can't we have a program that would read out books for blind people? And so with flatbed CTC scanners and a speech program, the scanner will recognize the letters and words and have them read out in high quality synthetic speech. So I can also scan material and have it read back to me or keep the scanned material on my computer. This is quite extraordinary. I could not have been the dean of a law school and advisor to governments working on the UN and keeping up family life without these extraordinary advances in technology. And now most of it is on the iPhone. I do most of my reading on the iPhone. I have a scanner on my iPhone. My iPhone, if you send me an attachment, which is in PDF format, I can put it through an electronic scanner on my iPhone and read it out in high quality synthetic speech. When I was a little boy in a segregated school in Paran, Melbourne, right next door to a sheltered workshop where blind people made baskets and brooms, I would never have believed these extraordinary advances in technology, which have done so much for we persons with disabilities. Isn't there also a, uh, a service which helps you with matters such as choosing the right tie to wear? Could you tell us about that? There are a series of services. The one that I mentioned is Be My Eyes, which is a free service. And you have the app on your phone. And if you need help, you click on it. And a volunteer around the world will answer. There are I think a million blind people around the world who can click on needing help and several million volunteers. Um, my wife went out to work and I was going to lunch. I'm a consultant and I hadn't asked her about a tie. So I cleaned up our bedroom and put a whole pile of ties on our bed. And then I called Be My Eyes and this woman answered. And I said, I, I need the right tie. And I pointed the phone at my suit and shirt and I said this is what I'm wearing and over here on the bed I've got these ties and she said move to the left she said second on the left I said can I ask you where you are <laughs> she said oh you're not supposed to and I said oh you can tell me I'm in a Singapore bank but things are pretty quiet so I thought I could answer and help you <laughs> but that's a game changer because it means you don't need a support person 
helping with yes, those, even the reading that, of PDFs and all of that sort of thing. Well, yes. So now if you want that, there's a service called AIRA, A-I-R-A, which I'm also a member of, and you pay a fee, and they will do more detailed work for you. Like if your computer doesn't work, you use a program so that they can be connected to your computer and help you. I've also used them to ask them about an invoice number on a document because my, my scanning program sometimes gets the numbers wrong. And I will say to the person, could you email me that invoice number? And she or he have got my email and they'll send me back the correct invoice number. It's all truly amazing. Ron, can you tell us about your work with the United Nations and what you achieved in that role? I was chairing a committee of 18 persons from around the world with different disabilities, blindness, hard of hearing, mobility, and also some of my sisters and brothers with psychosocial and related disabilities. And working in five languages, I had to learn to be patient to explain to my committee members that they were no longer advocates, that we were in a semi-judicial process of evaluating what each country had done. And so I found patience was very important to get everybody on side. What did I achieve? I don't know that I achieved anything as an individual, but I think it was very important to operate with a majority of persons with disabilities on the committee. I met a number of ambassadors and government ministers who appeared before us, and it was the first time they had ever spoken to a person with disabilities. And one ambassador turned to me and he said, you know, your colleagues are pretty intelligent. And I said, look, some of them are professors of sociology or law or economics. And I said, you must realize that we are as intelligent as any other group in society. I think it's very important for courts, for juries, for UN committees to be microcosms of society and to represent all aspects. I mean, we forget that I think in Victoria, it was only in the late 60s that women were allowed on juries. We now think that was so strange, but it was felt that women were too emotional and how could they handle a rape trial, etc. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Well, yeah. that's a good moment then to, uh, to bring in Tony North, uh, the chair of the Victorian Law Reform Commission. Tony, why has the commission decided to commence this project? Inclusive juries, access for people who are deaf, hard of hearing, blind or have low vision. What are the key reasons why the law needs to change? The law does not directly prevent people who are deaf or hard of hearing, blind or have low vision from serving as jurors, but because the law does not require the state to assist them, they are in practice excluded from serving as jurors. So if a deaf person or a person who is hard of hearing needs an Auslan interpreter to follow evidence in a court case, should the law require the state to provide the interpreter in order to enable that person to serve on the jury? Or if a blind person or a person with low vision needs documents used in a case produced in a form they can read or understand, should the law require the state to provide those means so that the person can serve on a jury? One aspect of the law does directly prevent such people from serving on juries. 
the common law made by judges over hundreds of years says that no person other than jurors can be present in the jury room when the jurors are meeting to discuss the case. So no interpreters, nothing like that? Yes, that rule prevents a deaf person from having an Auslan interpreter in the jury room. The Commission is considering whether there should be a law which allows a 13th person in the jury room if it is necessary to allow a person to serve as a juror. So you can see that as a practical matter, such people are presently not able to do something that others in the community can do. That is wrong. Jury service is a duty placed on citizens so that the criminal justice system can operate. It is an important function. All citizens with the ability to serve should be able to do so. By preventing blind people, people with low vision, deaf people, or people who are hard of hearing from serving is to discriminate against them. So Emma, as team leader on this inquiry, the law doesn't specifically say people who are deaf or hard of hearing or blind or have low vision can't be on a jury, but because of this rule, they're not able to serve. Yeah, in, I think the practical reality is that for many people in those groups, the law provides no real guidance to, about the provision or assessment of supports for people who are deaf, hard of hearing, blind or with low vision to serve. So the, the law is silent about that. And secondly, this old common law rule comes into play so that if you did need support in the jury room to serve, an Auslan interpreter or perhaps a support person if you were blind, then there's a specific law that says that that's not possible. You can only have 12 people in the jury room non-jurors can't participate. And the reason is you're trying to keep that jury deliberation process confidential, uninterrupted by outside sources um, and maintain the closeness of that jury room. So they're the two pieces of law that are at play. And the ACT changed their law in a very practical way recently, didn't they? Yeah, the ACT changed their law um, in 2018 very recently and they have... Um, those laws now provide guidance about the provision and assessment of reasonable supports. So in the ACT, if a judge thinks that someone needs support to properly discharge their duties as a juror, and those supports can be reasonably provided, then they must be. And the law lists factors to be considered in that assessment process. The final decision is up to the judge, but the law maps out a process by which those supports can be provided. And it also says in relation to that 13th person rule that if there is a decision that um, a person can serve with supports, then that rule doesn't apply. But that the supporter who assists must provide an oath to maintain the confidentiality of the jury deliberations and not get involved in that process. So that they're there specifically to do a very specific job. What are some of the other options that the Commission is looking at? to support people? We're looking at two key things. The first is how to design a system to make juries more inclusive. So one option, as Gemma just touched on, is to model those laws on reforms that have occurred in the ACT. Um, and we're seeking feedback on whether that would work in Victoria. And the key there is that there's a legislative obligation to consider the provision of, the, of supports. And there's a process mapped out in legislation about how, how those supports will be considered. And the second thing we're doing is asking the community about what possible supports they might need to serve. So give us your ideas about what you think you might need to serve on a juror in Victoria. Ron, what do you consider is the importance of this inquiry? This inquiry is of central importance to persons who are blind or vision impaired or deaf or hard of hearing in Victoria. It's part of the democratic process of a society to participate in jury service. 
just as it is to participate in voting and in elections. It's important for persons with disabilities to fully participate in all aspects of society. Juries should have on them, men and women as they now do, persons from culturally or linguistically diverse backgrounds and persons with disabilities and especially blind and deaf persons with disabilities. Juries need to represent us and us means the full spectrum of society in Victoria. Victoria has been amongst the leaders of law reform over the previous decades. It's my hope that this inquiry will further law reform by enabling deaf, blind, hard of hearing and vision impaired persons to sit on juries and to take their place as full participatory democratic systems in the great state of Victoria. Can you see any reasons why people who are blind or have low vision um, or who are deaf or hard of hearing should not serve on a jury? There may be some circumstances where it would not be sensible for a person who is blind or vision impaired or deaf or hard of hearing to sit on a jury. Let's take blind people, for example. Suppose the trial is for murder and the evidence is identification evidence made up of photographs and identification parades. The question really is, did the person who is identified do or not do the murder? In that circumstance where eyesight identification is central, it would make sense for a blind or vision impaired person to be moved on to another jury trial that didn't have that element in it. There may be issues in other trials of voice identification where it would make sense for a deaf or hard of hearing person to be moved on to another trial. This is just common sense and it shouldn't prevent persons with these types of disabilities from being involved in jury service. What strengths do you think that people who are blind or have low vision or who are deaf or hard of hearing would bring to serving on juries? They would bring many strengths, in particular, that they are persons with disabilities from that background. All groups bring their strengths. Women bring their strengths, men bring their strengths, immigrants bring their strengths, and we persons with disabilities, sensory disabilities, bring our strengths. Blind people, for example, are very good at listening to voices, listening to hesitation in voices, listening to the timbre of voices. Deaf and hard of hearing persons are very good at looking at faces, lip reading, looking at the whole profile of the person. We want juries to represent the full microcosm of society to make it very clear what we mean is trial by our peers, trial by the full gamut of the community. Emma. What materials has the Commission published and how can people contribute to this inquiry? Well, there are a number of ways to contribute to the project. Uh, the first is to provide a submission, which is a formal response to the consultation paper. And you can address the questions that are set out in the consultation paper, some or all of them, uh, and submissions are due by the 28th of February. We've also produced a summary of that larger consultation paper and a short community survey they're available on our website in a number of accessible um, versions. So there's an Auslan version, an audio version, and um, a word version for screen reading programs. And you can answer that short community survey in the same way. 
Responses to the community survey are also due by the 28th of February. And what is the process after that? What will the Commission be doing and when will it deliver its final report? Well, with the publication of our consultation paper, we'll embark on formal consultation. So we'll talk to the community, advocacy organisations, support providers, the juries, commissioner, courts and academics, both here in Victoria and overseas. Um, we'll look at what the community has told us and what all those different um, organisations and people, what the thoughts that they've shared with us and we'll do some further research. We'll then provide a final report to the Victorian Attorney-General in about November 2021. The Attorney-General will then decide whether to implement the changes that we've recommended in our report. You can find the consultation paper, a summary, and the community survey, all in a range of accessible formats at the VLRC website. Join us again next time for more Old Law, New Law. How far will I go?